from the Ram Studio connected by AT&T. Welcome to Between the Horns. I am Miles Simmons. I'm here with Voice of the Rams, JB Long. It is April 20th and we have an NFL schedule. JB, it's kind of an exciting day. More exciting than I anticipated. This is the first time that I've kind of gone through the NFL schedule, at least while being affiliated with a team. And um, uh, look, this is a, a fan moment for us too, right? In yeah. a lot of ways, but also because it dictates our lives. I mean, it does. I didn't right. think that I'd be having conversations like, okay, so we can host Thanksgiving dinner uh, based on being home right. the Saints Thanksgiving week yeah. uh, this early well, year. Spoiler alert, we haven't even gotten to like half the schedule yet, man. Uh, I assume people have taken a look for themselves. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we're the primary source for breaking scheduling I news, but not, I know yeah. we will break it down. Yes, exactly. So let's just get right to it. Um, I mean, you already have now spoiled the fact that we will that was be the big home. one and i guess we can say oh look let's go to christmas in tennessee right like we'll have christmas eve in tennessee if you want to know my family's 16. plans for that week it's all been mapped out this already. <laughs> and the new year's eve at home to finish out the season with san francisco so let's start now at the beginning of the year which is probably where people expect and sure. that is week one indianapolis colts at home the mcveigh era begins at the coliseum Two of the great Pac-12 quarterbacks of all time who I had the privilege of covering during their college careers. Um, It's a bit of a departure because the Rams had fallen into a pattern of playing an NFC West opponent largely in that week one, kind of getting the uh, division schedule started early. Uh, But I actually like the way that this schedule sets up. Uh, I mean, there's no such thing as a winnable game. I'm resisting the urge to describe anything on the schedule as winnable or unwinnable. Uh, but to have two home games to start compared to where the Rams were after making the move to Los Angeles last year, it really stands out, doesn't it? I, it definitely does. It does, you know, especially because all of the way that the season was backloaded last year, you know, you had so many trips in the beginning of the year. I mean, going to San Francisco and then Arizona, and then, you know, you got to go across the pond and Tampa Bay and all these different things. Yeah. And so being able to start the year with two home games, first against Indianapolis and then against Washington, I think that's going to be nice to kind of get into a little bit of a rhythm as the season gets going. How about this for a contrast? Compared to 2016, with all the moving around from St. Louis through training uh, preseason and then the regular season, this summer the Rams only leave the state of California once in August and September, and that's to go to Green Bay for a midweek uh, preseason game four. Other than that, it's all home. That is really nice. I hadn't really thought about I mean, it that Oakland, way. I yeah. Mean, all home and being the state of California. Sure. I mean, going to Oakland for week three of the preseason, no, excuse me, week two of the preseason, that is what, a 50 minute flight, you know? So that is really nice. And, you know, last year you had to do uh, Denver and then Minnesota at the yeah. end of the preseason. So that also was two kind of, that's a two and a half and hour trip. San Francisco to Tampa Bay. Right, Arizona. yeah. And like you said, I mean, that was, you know, three of the first four weeks of the season there. So yeah, I mean, the contrast now, you get to stay in California for three of the four weeks of the preseason, and then you're at home for those first two weeks of the season. I, I think that's going to be really, really nice. And I also like the fact that it's not so NFC West heavy. Mm-hmm. And here's why. The Rams, as we've already documented on this podcast and on, on the website, uh, have players making position changes, mm-hmm. have new coaches, new coordinators, 
uh, I think there's going to be a settling in period, yes. even if you have a, a really productive training camp in preseason. I think it plays to the Rams' benefit to have a little bit of space between uh, the start of the season, the regular season, Sean McVay coaching his first game, maybe Jared Goff getting his first professional win at quarterback before you then tackle yes, uh, the likes of Seattle, San Francisco, and Arizona. Absolutely. So then that second game is versus Washington at home. That's going to be kind of the McVay Bowl. Sure. It's going to be fun to see him going up against that team because obviously there's a lot of history there between mm-hmm. McVay and that Washington franchise. And Gruden as a mentor and yeah. all that he did as uh, having Kirk Cousins as a protege. Uh, but again, here, here are two home opportunities for the Rams to get off to a great start. And uh, I would like to think that Sean will not have to deal with also might this be the week you get your first professional win in addition to taking on your former friend? Yeah. It would be nice to be 1-0 going into that It line. certainly would be. I think this is going to be fun because of all the different connections that you've got between now the Washington franchise and, and here in Los Angeles with yep. the Rams. I mean, not just with McVay, but you also have um, your assistant head coach, linebackers coach, uh, Andrew Barry, you know, he's going to be a guy that is really involved in all the things in terms of the defense. And then you also have, you know, your cornerbacks coach there. He's going to be a really big piece of this. So there's a lot of now different connections between these two teams. And, you know, you've got kind of, I don't know, little brother against big brother in some kind of ways, right? Oh, I just like those storylines in general, whether it's, you know, the Wade Phillips Bowl looking down the schedule mm-hmm. at something like uh, Dallas or the Bum Phillips Bowl in Houston, yeah. right? Or or a Connor Barwin matching up with the Eagles at some point down the line. So much can change in terms of who's available, who's healthy, who's actually active on a given day. But you can see uh, throughout the schedule how there are going to be some really nice personal storylines in addition to the team ones. Yeah, for sure. And so we'll we'll keep kind of going through these weeks. Don't necessarily need to hit every single game, but I Why not? There's only 16 of them. I know, right? Week three at San Francisco, though. I mean, this is Thursday night football. It's an early Thursday night football kind of game. Um, and, you know, last year, obviously, the Rams went up to Levi's in prime time. That didn't really end so well, you know, in week one. But, you know, this year, both of these teams have new coaching staffs. And both of these teams with McVay and then with Kyle Shanahan, it's going to be an interesting matchup because of the way those two have also coached together, not just with the Greens. Yeah, at San Francisco was my kind of guess as one of the two most likely season openers. I, I thought hmm. there was a decent chance that the Rams might open in San Francisco again, maybe even as the late of the Monday night doubleheader. Yeah, it was, um, it was like last Kind year. of a chance for payback after the gut punch loss up there last year, the, the head coaching uh, story that you mentioned. But yeah. uh, it ends up being the only scheduled non-Sunday game, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, there's yes, a, that's there's correct. There's some flex yeah. possibility, mm-hmm. of course, but it, it's good. it looks like the primetime non-Sunday game for the Rams this season. You mentioned it's early, and it's the only road trip of September. Yeah, and, you know, the interesting thing about the Rams in these primetime games, you know, we saw Kevin Dumoff um, was tweeting. He went on kind of a real tweet storm. I think it was Wednesday night. Um, on tw- and So he was talking about kind of the logistics of scheduling. And one of the things that happens is, you know, when you've got USC – They've got school, right? And the Coliseum obviously is on USC's campus. So one of the things that the Rams have not had in these last couple of years is primetime games kind of during the week when USC is in, it was, is in school. And so I think that's just one of these things that's going to continue to happen, you know, for this year and the next year, obviously, when the Rams are still at the Coliseum. And then in 2019, when, you know, you move into the building, your own building, that's not going to be an issue anymore. Yeah. 
I just happened to run an informal Twitter poll. I think you did something similar, too, in terms of what do you expect or what would you like to see as the Rams opener. Uh -huh. It's almost a gauge of, like, who do you want the first swing at of the McVay era. And almost 50% of the response was San Francisco. That seemed to be the one uh, or the two losses last year that have stuck in the craw of Rams fans. And it's good, I think, to get that early chance, even if it's week three, but it'll be in prime time on national television between Shanahan and McVay. Yeah, it's probably going to be the first time that each of these new coaching staffs is going to have a chance to really show what they can do on a national stage. And I'm talking about San Francisco and, and the Rams, obviously. And that's, it's going to be a key game early in the season. I mean, obviously, anytime you have a divisional matchup, I remember uh, James Laurinaitis, now who is retired, um, always used to say in the locker room, when you can go to a divisional road matchup and you win on the road, it's almost like stealing two because mm. of the way the division works and the way the NFL works in hell. There's only 16 games in this entire season. So I think if that's one where you get early, that's going to be a really good win to get. I can't help but think about San Francisco and then also read the reports about how desperately they're trying to auction off the number two selection. Yeah. So it, it, not only is... San Francisco early on the schedule, but I think it is something to watch here in the final days before the draft in terms of what top draft pick might we see suiting up in San Francisco for the first time in week three. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, before we move to week four, I need to correct something because I called Joe Barry Andrew Barry, and I don't know what that was or why that happened. I thought you just said and Joe Barry. I didn't think it was Andrew. Man, I, I should have played that off like that. Yeah, I wasn't going to correct But you. I need to self-correct because that was a weird error. Like, I don't really understand why I did that. Anyway... Sorry, Joe. Uh, week four at Dallas Cowboys. Um, that's going to be interesting because, and we were talking about this kind of before we went on the air here, the Rams and Cowboys obviously play week one of the preseason. So this Cowboys matchup is going to be kind of one of these interesting things. What do you show in week one of the preseason? How is your team different in week four? Earlier than I thought, for sure. Week hmm. four, earlier than I thought. I, I would have wagered that this game would occur on the back half of the schedule just to put some separation between mm -hmm. the two. I don't think it's any major logistical, schematic, stra strategical concern for either franchise, uh, knowing how these things go. But um, it will be, I think it's, it gives a sense of kind of more immediacy to uh, that first preseason game in mm -hmm. terms of getting a look at uh, what their roster looks like and then how it's going to trim down to 53 for when... No, we gather in August and then see them the first day of October. That's not a lot of time between between games. No, it's not. And but I, you know, I remember a few years ago. I think the Browns and Eagles played sometime in the preseason, and then they played in like either week one or week two. Yeah. So that's an even closer thing, you know, in in terms of that separation. I I think when you have week one of the preseason, it's not week four in terms of being you know really really vanilla with your scheme. Yeah. But it's not week three either, you know? You've gone through the install process a couple of times, but this is the first time really that you get to go up against an opponent. And a lot of time things are pretty still very vanilla in that first preseason. I have a bold prediction for the Rams and the Cowboys this year. Okay. Zero combined kick returns for touchdowns by the Cowboys in preseason or week four. Okay. That is a very bold <laughs> prediction. I like it. I mean, it's not like, I think it's a good one. You know, because it's not like Bones Fossil gives up too many no. special teams touchdowns. We will not touchdown. have a lucky whitehead moment. Okay, I like it. All right, that's perfect. Okay, so let's skip to the uh, week six for a second and this kind of week six, week seven thing that's going to be going on. Because first, the Rams are going to go to Jacksonville. Yep. 
And so from there, the Rams are going to go to London to play Arizona in London. Now, the thing I like about this London matchup is that it's at 10 a.m., uh, LA time, which is 6 p.m. London time. Under the lights at Twickenham. Yes. Ooh, very nice. And the other thing, like last year, you know, the Rams started off at I think it was 1 or 2.30 p.m. local in London, which meant it was 6.30 a.m. in LA. I don't think that's really fair to the fans. Right. At least if it's at 10 a.m., you know, that's like you're playing on the East Coast, even though you're way farther away than that. And it's like probably maybe a little bit worse on our bodies. But at the same time, it's interesting that, you know, we're going to Jacksonville first because you the, the Rams requested that that be the case so that you can stay kind of on the East Coast for a little bit longer and then go over to London and not necessarily have the entire week in London like they did last year when you go from Detroit to London and then London all the way back. Uh, a lot to chew on there, but I want to start by just applauding you, Miles, because instead of rushing right to, wait a second, if we're playing in prime time in London, that means that we're not going to get back to LAX until sometime in the wee hours oh. in the morning compared to last year. Um, Which instead, was still at midnight when no, we got back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, but push that ahead, what? We might be not get back until like 7 a.m., so instead of thinking about <laughs> what that's going to do to your week and your body and your sleep, I'm going to be dead anyway. Right to the fans and the fact that they're going to have brunch with the Rams uh, from London. Yeah, um, I'm all about the fans, man. Uh, so <laughs> uh, one of the many things that I think will be interesting is with a coaching change, how does the McVay staff plan out that week? Yeah. Uh, last year we went from Detroit, had, had a meal at Ford Field, went to London uh, and practiced all week there. Uh, it sounds like that's not necessarily going to be yes. the, the approach this year. What's the thinking behind that, and how does that play out? Uh, and then the other thing is on the backside, once again, there's a bye for Los Angeles, but they go right back to the East Coast to play the, the Giants. Yes. So that's uh, one of just three road back-to-backs, if you will, but it's by far, I think, the, the most grueling travel stretch of the year for the Rams, right in the heart of the season mm -hmm. at Jacksonville, a home game in London, bye, but then back to the East Coast. Yeah, the and then not only do you go back to the East Coast, I mean, I love the New York trip. That's one of my favorite trips mm -hmm. of the year because I did go to school in New York, so I still got a lot of people there. Well, you just parachute out on our way back from London. Then. Honestly, and I'm kind of thinking about yeah. that, you know? Just, just kind of leave me there. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be there for the week. I'm sure I can find some place to stay, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll you guys just meet me back out I'll there. I'll email you all the post-practice quotes. Excellent, just, yeah, we can definitely work this yeah. out. But, you know, you know, I think you're right about this being the grueling kind of part of the schedule because even though you are home for that Houston Texans matchup after the New York matchup, then you've got to go back on the road to play at Minnesota. And so that really is, you know, at Jacksonville, at London to play uh, the Cardinals. Bye, you come home. Then you're at New York. Then you come home, play Houston, and then you're back on the road and you play Minnesota. Those are that's a lot of traveling there. You know what that at Minnesota game in Week 11 cost me to do today? Google Teddy Bridgewater and oh. see just what's the latest. Yeah. Even kind of just whispers, murmurs. Is he going to play this season? How soon? I saw that he's actually been on a field throwing. But, really? Okay. Oh, uh, there's the potential for that game to be Goff and Bradford in a matchup of uh, Rams number ones at quarterback. Mm -hmm. The first time that we've seen Sam in a different uniform. But who knows? I mean, that depends on Sam's status, as we know. Uh, him getting to, what would that be, week 11? Yeah. No, no sure thing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also Teddy, is is he going to be able to win that job? Now? Yeah, you know, that was one of the – that was such an unfortunate injury. I mean, I just remember because that, that happened the week we went to Minnesota yep. in week four of the preseason. And the city it just was, was rocked. Yeah. 
This, <laughs> this catastrophic freak injury that happened to Bridgewater. And then kudos to, you know, the Vikings for going out and getting Bradford. Obviously, didn't quite work out the way they probably would have liked. And, you know, the Eagles got a first-round pickback after they had traded theirs to the Browns. And then Minnesota finishes 8-8 eight and eight instead of going on and, and winning that division like they seemed like they really had a chance to. But... I mean, man, it would be really nice to see Teddy Bridgewater recover sure. and then get back to the level he was playing at. One thing we're not going to see, but I'm glad we saw it in the preseason with Todd Gurley and Adrian Peterson kind of meeting at midfield for yeah. this game. I mean, it'll be weird to go to Minneapolis and, and not have Adrian Peterson on your board. That is very true. Uh, the other thing, though, I do love that stadium. That is great. one heck of yeah. a new stadium. Uh, they, they did it on a, on a budget, a city budget apparently, and it didn't feel like they cut any corner. So mm -hmm. uh, other than a, a severe lack of restrooms outside of the broadcast <laughs> level in the press ah! box. I mean, like, I, I am, I'm probably right now like 30-70 to be on the air at the start of the third quarter <laughs> based on what we experienced there preseason last year. So that's a, that's a great concern. Hopefully they can remedy that. I mean, it seems like you can put in a bathroom somehow, right? A, a source close to this podcast, by virtue of our experience in Minnesota last year, has gone to great lengths to make sure that the new stadium in Inglewood does not suffer from the same lack of I think restrooms. that's a great, great thing to have. So More some advanced scouting. The preseason is good for something, even week four. <laughs> good. Restrooms on the press level. That's something we always need. All right, moving to week 12, that's going to be uh, versus the New Orleans Saints at the Coliseum there. And that's an interesting matchup because, if you remember, obviously, that was Jared Goff's best half of football Sure that we saw yep. um, was in New Orleans there at the Superdome, and he threw three touchdowns, and they all were really strong touchdown passes. I mean, it wasn't really like he was going back there and firing off cheapies. The, the one he had to Tavon Austin in particular comes to mind is one that just had a lot of touch on it, and it, it just seemed like Jared Goff was in command more in that half probably than he was at any other point in the season last year. And not year. to play Debbie Downer, but then I would say the second half was one of the poor performances, especially up front. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and the Saints made us feel it. Yes, they did. Yeah, but, they uh, it'll be a, got a little personal there, a perhaps. A Thanksgiving weekend date with the Saints for the second year in a row. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. And it's funny, you know, you look back at the schedule. That it, I feel like the New York game at MetLife is going to be the same weekend that we were there last year too if i'm not right? mistaken interesting it's either that week or a week off so like it's it's very interesting that you know you've got these kinds of matchups that are at the same time well let's hope that's the same result maybe with a touchdown mixed in yes yeah let's yeah i think it would be fun to score some tds right okay so then you come to arizona week 13 and that's actually a place where the rams have had a good amount of success over the last two years it won both games in Arizona over the last two years. That would be a good one to win, obviously, on the road. And again, just getting back to the division, how far down are we here before we've really talked about like the mix of the NFC West games? Yeah. Uh, that's a, a severe contrast from last year where we'd already made the first lap around the NFC West by week four, mm -hmm. and it worked out pretty well for the Rams. They got off to the 3-1 and one start. Uh, but, uh, but still, I think it, it works this year. I mean, I think in general, the... NFL scheduling format where you play your division foes early and then again late when there might be a division on the line makes sense and is, is probably the pattern long term. Yeah. But this actually provides some great travel, geographic balance, good mix of home roads. So, mm -hmm. uh, and again, we thought that we might have seen Larry Fitzgerald's last professional touchdown at the Coliseum <laughs> when we signed off last year. Yeah. Turns out maybe not to be the case. Um, but again, that's that's an aging team with, mm -hmm. with Palmer and Fitzgerald. So again, uh, 
no guarantee that some of these older uh, rosters, and I would put Seattle in that mix too, yeah. are going to be as fully loaded in the middle to back half of the schedule as, the, as they were last year. It is interesting because you've got these two teams in Seattle and Arizona in the NFC West where it seems like the window is maybe starting to close just a little bit. You know, uh, the Cardinals finished 7, 8, and 1 last season, and I think that's the first time Bruce Arians has not had a winning record as a head coach and that's even including you know what he was able to do in Indianapolis when he was filling in uh, for Chuck Pagano in that year so now and even if you don't have a winning record when you're seven eight and one you know it's not like oh my gosh you know they're four and twelve what's going on with Arizona but they've they've kind of got to get it going this year because Carson Palmer's not getting any younger Larry Fitzgerald's not getting any younger that is a team that I think is you're absolutely right. It's aging a little bit, but they've still got the pieces there to compete. Oh, for sure. I'm curious to see whether it's still University of Phoenix Stadium by the time we get there in, what, mid-October, whatever that is? Yeah. Or down, down the line a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I hear that the naming rights are up for grabs really? and might be changed. Ooh, so interesting. So something to keep an eye on. All right, that's fun. So week 14, coming back to the Coliseum, and the Rams will face the Philadelphia Eagles. That is Goff Wentz 1. Yeah, it's an appetizing storyline to be certain. And if the quarterbacks and, and then in turn their teams are playing well, I think it's got great flex potential. That's true. Uh, in terms of national interest, given where we were with uh, these candidates for the top overall draft pick a year ago. And again, mm -hmm. even week 14 of this coming season, way too early to draw any conclusions about who got it right and, and which quarterback has a brighter future. Uh, but uh, I, I think something that you pointed out in a previous podcast is the way the Rams have constructed an offensive staff and surrounded their second-year quarterback with a lot of offensive mental firepower, a lot like Philadelphia did. For yeah, that's really true. And, you know, you've got a head coach there in Doug Peterson who obviously has a lot of experience dealing with quarterbacks, was, I think, quarterbacks coach in Philadelphia before going with Andy Reid to uh, Kansas City, offensive coordinator there and now obviously the head coach um, at Philadelphia and, you know, good trivia question, also one of the Browns quarterbacks since 1999 on the back of that infamous jersey that yeah, I really hate. I, I won't even take a guess what number he is in that line. <laughs> He's somewhere in there. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think this is going to be one of these really good kind of marquee matchups. You know, it's at 125, going to be on Fox, has the potential to be that America's game of the week type deal because... Yeah. Especially if these two teams are playing well, and you know, I think both have the potential to be doing so that late in the season, um, that that is a game that could have potential playoff implications too. You know, if you're playing for the wild sure. card. I, I'm excited to see Connor Barwin go up against his former team, kind of back in the three-four system. Yeah. And not that he's got anything to prove to anyone in Philadelphia. It seems like the way that situation with the Eagles ended was actually very amicable and, yeah. and mutually beneficial. Yeah. But. Uh, again, it's one of those personal storylines within the team schedule that I think is appealing and pops in addition to Wentz versus Goff. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Okay, so week 15 at Seattle oh, Seahawks. Oh, here we go. Yeah. And so this is funny. Like, this year is going to make eight consecutive seasons that the Rams have played Seattle in the last four games of the season. Like, December beyond. The last time they didn't play in December beyond, September of 2009. Yeah, isn't that weird? I mean, that's like, and again, it's one of these games that is the same week as it was last year because it was week 15. Now, granted, that was Thursday night football, and so this won't be a prime I time I wonder game. what the parallel for that would be. Like, it's, it's not in the, in the north. Like, it wouldn't be like Green Bay or Detroit playing in Soldier Field because, yeah. because they're all kind of used to those same, similar mm -hmm. conditions. I, I think it's almost maybe 
if Miami had to play in Foxborough mm, like mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine years in a row in, in not guaranteed poor weather conditions, but in conditions that you would figure favor the Seahawks or the Patriots. Right, I yeah. I mean, sooner or later, this has to swing around. You would think. I mean, it'd be nice to visit Seattle. Uh, I've been there in every month of the year. <laughs> but trust me, you want to be there in September over December 99 times out of 100. I've actually never been there in December. I mean, the only time I've been to Seattle is when we've gone on these road trips. And, you know, when the club was still in St. Louis, this was one of my favorite road trips because it would always come kind of toward the end of the year. And obviously Nordstrom is from Seattle, right? So like Nordstrom after Christmas sales. Holiday shop. Oh, yeah, that's pretty darn good. That's that's a good thing so, to do. And it would be a two day trip too. December so December 17th, that's gonna have to be last minute Christmas shopping. I know. Not a, you don't get the same sales, man. Uh, the good news I'm a big is, fan of the after Christmas sales. The good news is no matter what month of the season, the Rams have played you know some good games up there. Mm-hmm. Last year was, was not one of them, but um, uh, again, the kind of back end of the schedule comes around now with the NFC West because we didn't see the opponents that we're used to early in the schedule. Right. Now two of the last three weeks, you've got NFC West opponents to wrap it up. But first, at Tennessee, and yeah. there are definitely some storylines between those franchises given what happened to get Jared Goff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have that trade up to number one last year, and now Tennessee's got the number five overall pick in the draft that comes from the Rams. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If Jared Goff turns out to be a franchise quarterback like the Rams expect him to be, especially now that they have surrounded him with this quality staff uh, on offense. It was absolutely worth it to give up whatever you gave up to get him because there are not even 32 men in the entire world, apparently, who really are good quarterbacks. Uh, Mariota might be one of them, though. And if, yes. if you could kind of couch Tennessee as maybe just a year or two ahead in their their evolution, their roster evolution of the Rams, you could see if, you know, hey, they had Mariota, they had their guy, and so they could pass on Wentz and Goff and trade, you know, some draft position. Maybe that same opportunity would be available to the Rams here once they pin down that Jared is their guy and he starts to emerge. Hopefully not, because you want to be winning enough games that you're not picking (laughs) as as high as Tennessee has been. Um, But uh, nonetheless, to spend Christmas Eve, I guess, in Nashville will be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, there's going to be a, a Mike Jones, Kevin Dyson replay mixed in there oh, somewhere along the way. no question. Probably I mean, a flashback or yeah. two. It's the fourth time now that these two teams are going to meet since that victory in uh, Super Bowl 34 for the Rams. So, obviously, anytime these two teams get together, there's, there's going to be some mention of the Rams beating the Titans in the Super Bowl. And then uh, the the pre-New Year game against San Francisco, second year in a row, let's just all hope that there's a totally different tenor to that game than there was gathering at the Coliseum last year because Mm -hmm. that was kind of just playing out the thread for both teams and it it wasn't pretty and certainly the way that it ended with Kaepernick running amok, uh, unfortunately uh, kind of epitomized the stretch run of the season last year for the Rams. Uh, let's hope that that game has a lot of really good implications for this. Yeah, uh, because, I mean, if it does, that's a game, you know, with playoff. If it's a game with playoff implications and it's week 17, that's a game that could possibly be flexed, right? All these games in week 17 are set up so that if there's a potential to be flexed, then they can be flexed. So that's it's something to think about. Miles, I don't know about you, but I can almost hear the audible scoffing from someone listening about the potential for Week 17 against San Francisco to have stakes and implications. I can too, yes. But <laughs> I, I just kind of going back to a 30,000 foot view of this whole schedule, this slate sets up 
infinitely better, I think, for the Rams to manage their schedule, their hmm. roster, everything along the way than in hindsight last year's did. When we all thought last year, you know, kind of feed Gurley, and this is a team that's at least ready to contend for a wild card spot, maybe a division if things break their way. Uh, those expectations will not be there at UC Irvine this summer. Sure. But on the flip side, you look down at what the Rams are going to have to tackle, you could see how it might break their way. Yeah. You could see how this gives them a chance to have favorable results to the extent that a scheduling maker does. Yeah, I mean, you don't have kind of the same situation you did last year where the Rams are basically gone for all of October and then half of November, and so you're not really playing that many games at home until December. And when that December came, it, it everything, the wheels had, I mean, kind of just fallen off, right? I mean, I don't think it's me saying anything too harsh to say that. Last fall, they played two true home games before week nine. Right. This fall, they played two true home games in weeks one and two. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a stark, stark contrast. It is, I think, and we talked about this before, just getting that sort of sense of normalcy and getting into a rhythm, I think that can really help a team, especially under a first-year head coach. Questions for you. You ready? Yes. I, I don't want to hijack the Miles Simmons Between the Horns podcast, but I've got two oh, burning questions good. for you. Home game you're most looking forward to. Okay. Road game that you would pay money out of your own pocket to travel to to see. Okay. Uh, I'll go with the second one first because that one's really easy for me. I would definitely go to New York, and I would go to MetLife, mostly because I have a lot of friends there, right. and I have a lot of people there that I know, and I think that would be good. Um... Or Minnesota, because I just I really like that um, I like that stadium. I like being in that stadium a lot. Um, you've been to Dallas. You've seen Jerry World. I've not, so that actually is a good contender too. So now I've literally answered this with a third of the Rams. Good thing games you started with the second question because it was the easy one. Are, are, you still, are you still going with New York? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably. I've never even been to Dallas, so that'll be fun. Um, man, Home that's game? a good question. Home game. You know, I've never seen Andrew Luck in person. It's probably kind of cheesy and, like, I don't know, too easy to say the opening game. But I I think that's going to be a good game. I like kind of the pomp and circumstance of the week one, the opening matchup. And it'll be McVay's first game as as a head coach. And, you know, you're going against a guy like Andrew Luck. That'll, I, I think... That'll be a fun game just to kind of be a part of. There isn't a home game on the schedule that doesn't interest me just because of the team, the head coach, the personnel, the yeah. quarterback that's coming into town. I mean, I think records will spell out what they mean in terms of implications sure. and what's at stake, but every step along the way, every game on this home schedule, I think there's a very strong reason to watch. I agree. All right. So what about your team that you would pay money out of pocket to go I love Nash. I love Nashville. I think Tennessee is a really fun. intriguing franchise. Uh, Marcus Mariota is a, a personal favorite. I think that'll be really cool. Uh, if you just take the division games off the table, because I, I love our fellow division cities, yeah, but too. I get to see them all the time, so it's it's not as novel to me. Uh, I would travel back to London. I had such a great time at Twickenham last year. I just think it's going to be phenomenal again this year. That's an expensive trip. So yeah, you're talking about money true. out of pocket, and, JB. And, you gotta, and, you gotta have all these factors in and, consideration. And, and <laughs> most hours locked in the steel tube to get there. Oh yeah. Uh, but I, I think under the lights at Twickenham, it'll be a really good atmosphere. Game. It'll be a really good atmosphere. I, I really do think that. Yeah. I think that's going to be a, a great week. It, it stands to, I think, meet or exceed everything that we had last year with 
the Giants. Yeah, I really do. I agree. And the nice part will be that you have two teams that are coming from the same time zone. I mean, not that like everybody's always got to play under the same conditions, and I don't think it was an unfair per se advantage for New York to do what they did. But New York gets into London on Friday. Rams have been there since Monday, right? Yeah. And you're not you're not going across as many time zones if you're New York. I mean, that's a five five and a half hour flight from New York to London. That's basically like going from LA to New York. Yeah. Or across the country the opposite way. And for us, right, that was an eight hour flight from Detroit and then an eleven hour flight back. So at least you kind of have that kind of deal, you know, with Arizona coming. They're coming from the same time zone, and they're, you know, having to adjust in more, more or less the same way that the Rams are going to have to. Yeah, you see what Arizona does in terms of managing that week prior mm -hmm. in their travel, too. And I'll, I'll just throw one other one. I wouldn't travel to see week four preseason necessarily, but Lambeau is special. Lambeau is very and special. if we're going to Lambeau, sign me up for late summer as opposed to... Uh, early winter also true any day even though you want to get the authentic experience of seeing snow on the ground in the frozen tundra I've, I've seen that as a fan before uh, this time I, I'll take the comforts of late summer yeah in the Midwest we were there in October 2015 and it was the first time I'd ever been up to Lambeau or anything like that and like it is really I think one of the great great stadiums in all of the NFL because it's basically professional football in its purest form, right? I mean, you don't have necessarily all of the advertisements along the bottom bowl, and you've mm -hmm. still got luxury suites, you've still got all kinds of other stuff, but there's, I, I've never been to another professional stadium that is like Green Bay, and obviously, it's I mean, iconic. the fans own the team, yeah. right? Like, there's, there's no other, there's no other team and where the fans And it just whispers own. history in your yeah. ear and all, and all those other things. Uh, we will not see Aaron Rodgers. That's, I think that that's be, pretty safe to say. That yeah. would be one of the, but the rest of the preseason schedule, I think, sets up very interestingly in terms of the quarterbacks that the new revamped new scheme defense will be tested against, including Derek Carr. No yeah, I, you know, Derek Carr, I think, is one of the really, really good young quarterbacks. I find him so exciting to watch. And, you know, obviously you don't know who people are off the field, and I hesitate to make any grand judgments. But, I mean, from everything you always read, Derek Carr seems like a really quality guy off the field as well. I mean, I remember there was a story earlier in the offseason where he's, like, driving by in his truck and there's somebody on the side of the road and he stops because I don't remember what happened. This dude's car broke down or something. And he stops and he picks him up and he's like, hey, man, I can give you a lift to your gas station, whatever. And so the dude apparently that he picked up, like, realizes, like, wait a minute, you're Derek Carr. And he's like, yeah, I guess I am. And so, like, he's just, he, I don't know, he just seems like a really humble guy. I, I, I admire that about him. So just a, a plug, single game tickets starting tomorrow morning. Yes. Right? Yeah. For uh, season ticket holders, an exclusive window, and shortly thereafter for the general public. So, I mean, uh, again, I hope you'll join us for as many of these at the Coliseum as you can. And if you're making a road trip with us, so much the better, because I think there's a lot uh, to be seen and to see on the schedule. Absolutely. So that should be really, really good. And definitely make sure you visit uh, therams.com or call the ticket office um, if you're interested in tickets. So before we get out of here, though, I mean, the off-season program has started. Sure. You know, the Rams are in phase one right now, strength and conditioning work on the field, and you do have some classroom work um, with the coaches. It, it's, it's an interesting time because there's only so much you can do as a coach, you know, when you're basically restricted from being out on the field with players. But I think next week, 
when we get to the veteran mini camp that's going to the voluntary veteran mini camp that's going to go from Tuesday to Thursday, I think that's going to be really fun because it's going to be our first chance to really see what this team might kind of start looking like in the fall. Well, especially because there's uh, there's always something at stake. But there, there's kind of a to-do list item in terms of figuring out what Tremaine Johnson's franchise is going to be with the franchise. I mean, it, yeah. it's been stated publicly that they wanted this window of time to have him get to know the new staff and vice versa and kind of get in the classroom together, get on grass, and see if, if this is going to work not just for 2017 but long-term. Mm -hmm. So before you get into draft night, I, I think you don't, if you don't have a final answer to that question, fine, but I think you want to have a better idea of what that answer is yeah. you know, among all the other things that you're going to tackle in that week. Absolutely. I mean, the other thing that I, I think they're really going to have to figure out is the offensive line because even though you brought in Andrew Whitworth and kind of stabilized that left tackle position, probably for the next two seasons, if not maybe a third there, and you've brought in John Sullivan to be your center, you still got a lot of question marks on the right side of the line. I mean, Roger Saffold, pretty there entrenched there at left guard. I think that's safe to say. But, you know, with Greg Robinson going over to right tackle, with Rob Havenstein being kicked inside to right guard, there are a lot of questions that I think they're going to need to answer there. Yeah, as, as we've said before, I think you can project what the five are, mm -hmm. their names and their starting position. But I also think there's a better than not chance, perhaps, that that changes. Uh, definitely. And... and and maybe for good reason, maybe yeah. because you, you draft someone who competes or you find someone off the waiver wire who challenges, hopefully not because of injury, but uh, I know that by necessity and for the sake of conversation, we need to project, okay, if this were the Rams opening day offensive line, would it be improved? Would it give Jared sure. Goff a better chance? Might it open more holes for Todd Gurley? Yeah, I think it might, but there's no guarantee that it's going to, you know, when we open against Indianapolis, that the five that we think are going to be in those given spots uh, will be the starters. Let's face it, they haven't even worked out in front of their right. position coach, much less their coordinator, much less their head coach. Yeah, and that's that's what I people always ask the question like, oh, what do you what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, and it's like, well, right now as we sit here on April twentieth, it's one thing, but it could yeah. absolutely change between now and September the tenth. When you kick off against the Indianapolis Colts, I think I these weeks. Yes, it is. I think these weeks are about giving yourself viable options, not finding final answers. Yes, it's a really good through, way to put through it. Through free agency, through the draft, through like, let's not forget, it's not just next weekend, right? And the NFL draft, it's signing undrafted free agents. Mm -hmm. and look at how many of them have contributed to the Rams franchise, and then throughout the league. I mean, it's it's an ongoing process to make sure that you're stacked as deep as you can be at every position so that you have healthy competition. And, and I'm going to be just as enthused and entrenched and involved with who the Rams end up selecting in the draft. But to me, in terms of who's going to make the most win-loss impact on this 2017 schedule that was just revealed and that we talked about, in my heart of hearts, I feel like that's going to have far more to do with the class of 2016 mm. and how much they improve and, and the steps they take forward under this new staff than necessarily who joins us in the mid to late rounds of 2017. I, I hope I, I hope both classes contribute, right. but just based on you know historical evidence, I, I think it's going to be more about the Pharaoh Coopers of the world than necessarily the receiver that the Rams may or may not add in this draft. No, I think you're absolutely right there, and it's not just with you know Pharaoh Cooper. I mean, look. Throughout that entire draft class, you've got to see some improvement. I mean, starting with Jared Goff. That's why you went out and hired the people you hired um, in the coaching staff. But 
it goes from Goff and then, yes, Farrah Cooper, Tyler Higby, guys that you really want to see some more out of. And those were the top three draft picks last year. But then you've also got guys like Tamara Hemingway and, and Mike Thomas as well. And you want to see that year-to-year improvement. If they can make that jump from year one to year two and be really good contributors on this Rams offense, then I think you'd feel a lot better than you do probably as we sit here today on April 20th about that 2016 draft class. And same thing for the free agent class too. I mean, by all means, if the Rams can find an, an all-pro rookie cornerback in yeah. whatever round that they end up drafting him in, so much the better. But statistically, is there a better chance that Kayvon makes an impact or that Nikel Roby Coleman makes an impact mm-hmm. this fall specifically? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I think weeks like you're talking about with getting the veterans in are, are every bit as important to creating incremental win gains as, as picking players off your draft. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so the, let's talk a little bit about the draft because I don't want to talk too much about it because, to be honest, like, look, the Rams are picking... You promised me you told me who the Rams were going to take at 37. Oh, you no, told JB, me don't today, do this, don't do this, this, JB. You told me this was going to be the podcast. Don't you do said, this. <laughs> you said that you had on good information that the Rams were going to trade up into day one and that they were going to take... I forget his name. Oh, yeah, me too. I don't know. I don't know what his name was. I'm going to keep my mouth shut now. Now I I know I should never say anything to you in the lunchroom. I hope hope DeMarco (laughs) doesn't interrupt you and derail you as much as I do on this podcast. No, it's funny. No, the, the thing about the draft this year, especially to me, is, and I'm one of these people who, like, I, all the lead up to the draft, it's just, oh. It just kind of almost stresses me out to the point where I just, I got to kind of tune out from it because it's all hypotheticals. And I'm not really one of these guys that loves hypotheticals. Like hypotheticals are fine in some instances, but like when you're talking about mock drafts and it's mock draft this and mock draft that, and oh my goodness, this person, like, man, especially if the team you're covering is picking at 37, I like what, what use is a (laughs) mock draft? For me this year, it, it's not much use. So that, but that's how I feel about it normally. But I don't know when you've got a, a team that is picking at 37. There is so much that can happen. Siri wants to chime in. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, who, Siri, you calm yourself who over does there. She, who does she have at 37 to Los Angeles? I don't know, but she wants to talk to me. It's weird. I don't. That doesn't usually happen. Yeah, you stay calm there, you little cell phone. Anyway. When you got a team that's picking at 37, there's so much that can happen from picks 1 to 36. It's very hard to kind of handicap what goes on at 37. And, you know, a lot of teams will go through their own mock draft scenarios, right? So yeah. I'm sure that's happening inside the Rams building as well. You've got to kind of try to figure out what teams might want to pick in those round, in that early first round. And then, you know, think, okay, there are going to be these par- these players that will probably be around when we pick at 37. But there's going to be something that happens that people can't predict. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, in an ideal world, the only information that would be out about team strategy and thought process for the draft would be misinformation, right? Because right. Because there's absolutely yeah. nothing to be gained from letting public information about who you like or why mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, if everyone's doing their homework someone else probably likes them as much or more exactly. and, and chances are that team may be drafting ahead of you so uh you know some of that filters out because teams have to meet face to face with with potential prospects they're interested in to get a feel and so uh, those people's friends and family and agents and stuff obviously communicate with the outside world 
but it's such a fluid situation that look I my only draft consideration at this point is that I sincerely hope that it is as deep at some key positions as the experts have said that it is and uh, unfortunately the Rams have enough needs right now that I'm not too concerned with the best player available or addressing needs dynamic because I think whoever the best player available turns out to be will fill a need on this roster so uh, look, this is, this is why the people who spend all year with their nose in this line of work um, get paid to do what they do. Yes. And, and I'm not going to pretend to know that I can do their job any better or know something that they do not. And, and look, even when they've done all their homework, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't for reasons that you cannot control or forecast. Yes. So again, I, I think do the best you can to give your coach and your, your roster the best chance to compete and improve and succeed. And over the long haul, if good picks outweigh bad picks, you're going to end up with more wins and losses. All right. So before we get out of here then, JB, what are some of your weekend plans? Anything fun this weekend? What am I doing? I'm, uh, I'm calling the Cal Spring football game, actually. Okay. So I'll be going up to Berkeley to, to visit with Jared Goff's alma mater. And then I'll be back home for an an open, enjoyable Sunday. My son is soon to be one year old, ah. so we're planning his his one year birthday party. That's kind of what I've got in store. How about you? Nice. Well, I'm going. I'm going back to Cleveland this weekend. Going back to Cleveland. I am. Yes. Yeah, By so the way, I'm the Browns home. are not on the Rams schedule. They're not. <laughs> that was a good tweet that you put out there. <laughs> Tell them about the tweet. I was just kind of like it, man. I I think there's a lot to like about this Rams schedule, and there were a lot of replies like, "Are the Browns on it?" and no, uh, no, that was not uh, ever a possibility, but I can understand the line of thinking. The Browns are going to be better this year, by the way. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll throw that out there. I think they can be better than 1-15. Garrett or quarterback? Uh, Garrett at number one, definitely. Um, and because you've got enough draft ammo, speaking as the Browns, that you could move up in theory and get somebody else, right? You know, I just, I, I feel like you have to take Miles Garrett, who has a Hall of Fame-worthy first name, by the way, especially the way he spells it. Good spelling. Yeah, great spelling. Um, but I think you have to, he's, like, he's a freak athlete. You know, I was seeing him at the Combine, he's like, leap, he's doing the, the broad jump, and like I was putting it on Snapchat. And everybody in this D-line group is, I don't know, getting around 10 feet, like 995 or 96, whatever. And he comes up and he like goes 11. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I was like, holy blank. Like I couldn't, I had to delete it off of Snapchat because he made me use an expletive because he's that athletic. So speaking of freak athletes, as you were saying, LeBron invited you to be his guest courtside for yeah, the playoff series. Right, I know. Unfortunately, they're going to be in Indianapolis this uh, weekend. Okay. So yeah, no. The, re the reason I'm going back though is because um, I'm speaking at my high school. So this is going to be fun. About? Yeah. So there's um, this alumni gives back day they're doing at my high school. And so I'm going to be doing a couple of classes on sports journalism in the 21st nice. century. So. And the live stream will be available. Oh, on... No, nobody's, nobody's going to see this. <laughs> I hope not. Maybe we'll take a picture or two. I don't know. If you are, if you have any tips on what people, what I should say to high school students about sports journalism, I would appreciate it. I just give them some insight into what we actually talk about, you know. Yeah hot dogs as sandwiches yeah <laughs> if whether or not mustard should be on hot dogs of course yeah exactly. all the usual things yeah the very important stuff but that's awesome that you're going back there yeah, and no, i'm sure that they're uh they're gonna 
that would be a little bit awestruck to have a member of the Los Angeles Rams speaking in front of them. Well, I don't know if they should be awestruck, but <laughs> hopefully they'll listen. And, make sure you make sure yeah. you think of your best plane anecdote too. Like you, you want oh, to make yeah. sure you remind them that when you were in their seats, those were your glory years. This and is true. You weren't writing about football there. You know, you were doing the football that was being written about. That's actually very true. Feel no, free I to like write this. that down. I will write that down. Thank you, JB. All right, so we got to get ready, actually, for a live show that probably, by the time you guys hear this, it will already have been on Facebook. So if you want to check out what we're talking about live on Facebook and Periscope, definitely check that out on Facebook because we'll be talking with our reporter, Danny Kleppinger, breaking down the Rams schedule. You can ask your questions there and have them answered as well. All right, so JB, thank you so much for joining me here on Between the Horns for my producer, Josh. I'm Miles Simmons, wherever you may be in football. We'll see you next time. Rabbit.